Welcome, welcome back to Rise to Liberty podcast. Today I, I am, thank you, thank you. Worked really hard on that one. Today I am joined by Douglas Tuman of Monero Talk podcast and Monero, Monerotopia podcast. Also the Monerotopia uh, convention, which is uh, taking place, uh, is it May 4th and 5th, correct? Cinco de Mayo is the first day, so 5th, 6th, and 7th perfect of this year uh, make sure to use promo code rise to liberty to get 20 percent off your tickets so with that how you doing doug it's been a minute since you've been on good man yeah well it was about a year ago or longer uh, it's all a blur yeah 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 thanks for having me on again Exci- excited to do of course. this so how's uh monero talk and monero topia been going it's going well man it's uh you know, throw, throwing a conference. This is the second time we're doing it. First one we did it was in Miami last year, alongside the Bitcoin conference. This time we decided to go off on our own, so we moved it down to Mexico City. And the first conference was a day. It was a day long. I mean, it was a, it was a long day. I think we went from like eight a.m. to eleven p.m. Uh, it was a marathon. We had a ton of speakers. So this time we're like, all right, let's let's add a second day. And even with the second, so it just turned into a longer marathon. So it's like, we're going to be going from <laughs> 8 a.m. till as long as they allow us to stay there both days. And then plus have a, a welcome day on Cinco de Mayo. We'll probably have to do some talks on that day too, just to fit it all in. So it's throwing a conference gets, it gets very comp complex with each new speaker and project. It just gets exponentially more difficult to handle because you're just dealing with so many different people. But no complaints, man. It's it's all good stuff. We're having a great time doing it. That's that's awesome. Honestly, I'm like really stoked to see you guys grow this and the fact that it got even that popular and everything. Just hearing that everything's going well just really excites me. Yeah, it's it's a risky endeavor, you know. It's uh, anytime you do something like this, there's there's a lot of risk involved. Um, you're relying on, on people to, to come out and participate. And so I, I, you know, knock on wood, I think we're kind of, we're doing it in in the right way where we're sl- like slowly scaling it up. You know, we started small the first year, and this year too. Don't get me wrong, we're not like we're we're not that much larger, but uh, it f- it feels bigger. And so yeah. hopefully we could keep keep growing from here. And we want to do it in you know different cities every year, kind of travel around the world type of thing. So, oh, that's epic! Yeah. I yeah. love hearing that. Yeah. Well, uh, you know. Just throwing a suggestion out there, Salt Lake City, always a great city to uh, host events like that in. So definitely throw that in your uh, repertoire as soon as you can. I'll definitely consider that. We love Salt Lake City. Yeah, it's great over here. So just to give a little bit of a rundown, do you kind of want to like explain what you guys have going on at the conference? What, uh, what would be appealing maybe to somebody who doesn't know much about Monero? Yeah, so I mean, it's um, anybody out there that's interested in learning about what I call the, the true value proposition of crypto should come should consider participating in Monerotopia, coming down if you can to Mexico City. If not, just tuning in virtually. We're going to sell a virtual ticket. But when I say that, I'm you know, I, digital cash, right? That's what I see is really being the utility of crypto. What the invention was was a way for people to transact peer to peer without censorship, 
and without surveillance, right? So the Bitcoiners always talk about it being, uh, you know, resistant to censorship. Monero, in addition to being resistant to censorship, is resi resistant to surveillance, right? So effectively, when you transact with it, it's private. Uh, and each transaction is fungible in that there's no way of distinguishing one transaction from the other. And the end result is you have this cash-like thing, but for the internet. So people can transact in a cash-like manner where corporations or the state can't spy on you as you're doing it and keep track of what you're doing and all the good stuff that comes along with that. Um, and so Monerotopia is really about just that concept of digital cash. And obviously we focus on Monero because we think it's the one that's doing that the best, has the best implementation for that, the best tech for that, and is winning the network effect in that area. And so we'll be talking about other projects as well. We'll have other uh, privacy tech projects, other privacy coins participating that are doing things in little different ways that are offering some technology that maybe, you know, maybe Monero will, will, will steal or, or, or eventually incorporate. Um, so we're trying to open it up in that respect. So it's not just, you know, a Monero maxi fest. <laughs> we're trying to prevent this from becoming into the next like Bitcoin conference. Thing. Yeah. Um, we want it to be about the ideas, right? And may the best ideas win. And we want people to be there for these philosophical ideals, not for a religious belief in some uh, version of the technology because it's the bags that they hold, right? We want them to be yeah. for the right reasons. And so that's what that's what we're we're trying to make Monerotopia all about. Um, so yeah, I would recommend anybody that's that's interested in those concepts. And then in in addition to just the digital cash aspects. Obviously, for me, I, philosophically, why I'm so passionate about it is because I think at the end of the day, what digital cash does, what Monero does, is it's going to allow us to maintain our liberty in the digital age. So portions of the conference are going to be talking about you know, just those basic concepts. Why, why, what is liberty to begin with? Why is, it, why is it important? Why is it something we need to preserve in the digital age? Why is it under attack in the digital age? Uh, you know, talking about things like CBDCs and, and all those things and how Monero and other technology, decentralized tech is is the answer. And then like a third main pillar, I would say, um, is talking about actually building out the ecosystem for uh, ha for using digital cash. So not just having the tech, but onboarding people and building out a parallel economy that's actually going to utilize digital cash. So we're going to have speakers that are talking about that, basically how to build a parallel economy outside of state control, you know, how, how to get people together and start actually using these things. So, you know, you could pay your car carpenter in Monero or get your haircut in Monero, or you could offer your own services to get paid in Monero and trying to talk up that, that ideology and talk about this, the, actual actionable steps that need to take place for for people to actually live in a Monero world, you know, not just hold it and hope it goes up in price, but to actually live off of it among each other. Because that's where the real empowerment comes in, in my opinion, uh, is it isn't so much about number go up and buying crypto with fiat with the hope that it'll be worth more in fiat in a year, two years, rather it's about opting out of the fiat system and using this new technology to transact 
outside of the eye of the state. Yeah, that's great. So let, let me tell you why I like Monero. One, one of the biggest things, so I came into, I guess, the Liberty Movement uh, under Ron Paul. Uh, first time I heard about him was his 2008 campaign. Started really paying attention in his 2012 campaign. Luckily, I was, you know, just out of high school then. So, you know, this this hit me pretty early. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was also raised with, you know, the the love of, uh, uh, I, I don't want to quite say patriotism because I, I think that's a little too strong. It wasn't always like, you know, of the government, but it, it was, uh, you know, civil responsibility was instilled in my uh, childhood. And so when I got a bit older, I, I picked up uh, the creature from Jekyll Island from G. Edward Griffin. And as soon as I learned fiat banking, the fractional reserve banking, like it, it just, it was all downhill from there. The issue I have with the Liberty Movement is that there's not a lot of solutions there's a lot of pointing out the problems, but there's not a lot of, you know, like, well, how do we fix this? Then I came across Monero and this just seems like something, it's an actual solution to be able to fight back against some controlling interest. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what gets me so excited about it is the more people that use it, the greater the impact it actually has. And so it's not so much about going out there and trying to win an election and change, you know, win hearts and minds of people and get the political will to change the political system, which I think it's admirable to try to do those things. And I hope, you know, there's a lot of people working on that, but this has like real immediate return. And also it has the ability to disrupt and affect things on a much deeper level, right? Uh, to the point where it could completely alter the system as we know it, essentially not allowing to, not allowing, no longer allowing the state to essentially uh, control people and, uh, and 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 feed feed off their wealth right through the fiat system, um, and so that's why I I get so excited about about crypto. I mean, I I ran for Congress in 2020. So I'm, I'm, I'm passionate in, in, in that way as well. And, but I really did it for Monero and, you know, even after doing that, you know, running that election, I was, it was even more of an eye opener as I, I knew going in, right. Like I, I'm more of a, I, I've really fallen in love with the cypherpunk ideology, right? So it's, it's building unstoppable decentralized tech that will achieve these end goals of increasing liberty through the adoption of the technology. Um, and so I became very passionate about that, but I, I wanted to run for office with the hopes of even, you know, further helping that mission. But in the process of doing that, realizing even further, like how, how fatalistic the, the, you know, it is to, to, to try to participate in the arena of the current system and try to change it the old school way. It's just, I hate I hate to report back, but I don't I don't think you, there's much you can do, right? Ron Paul, like what what I mean, what he really did more than anything else was get people like you involved, right? So yeah. that is amazing, right? He created a whole generation 
of soldiers that are out there and out there fighting for liberty. So that that works. Uh, but even if he had gotten, you know, made more headway, um, uh, these elected officials can really, the ones that really are driven by liberty can really only do so much at the end of the day. Their hands are tied. Uh, they're, they're just a cog, cog in the wheel. They can, they could, they, they have the platform to, to point things out, but they're up against a system where everybody's kind of already been bought. Right. And so I do think those things will change over time, but yeah, crypto, crypto just gets right to the, gets, cuts right to the chase. Right. I mean, we, we don't know what the, what it's going to look like out on the other end, if it truly does get fully adopted, but I have to imagine it's going to be better than what we currently have. There's no way it could, it could be worse. So, let, let, let me know if you uh, agree with this statement. So the central banking digital currencies, they're pretty much coming whether we want it to or not, right? Mm -hmm. they, they're they're going to be forced down upon us from, you know, this top-down structure that we have. Exactly. And so it seems like Monero, I mean, obviously there are other privacy coins. Um, Pirate Chain comes to mind. I'm, I don't really pay attention to too many others. I'm, I'm pretty... Uh, focused on Monero just uh, seems fairly stable. Not to mention that's what I hold the most of. So um, it seems like this is, we're, we're in a pretty dire situation where if we don't do something about this, then it's all going to be a, a weird mix between 1984 and like Brave New World. And it's just going to be some dystopian hellscape. So this is actually one of many solutions that's actually doing something. Yeah, like like you said, you know, I think C CBDCs we're we're seeing people already stand up against it, right? There's already people out there that are, you know, strongly opposed to it and spreading the word. Obviously, I'm opposed to it, you're opposed to it. You you see other there's a large group of people on on the internet, on Twitter that are out there vocal about it. But how large that group actually is and compared to the mainstream, it's probably quite small. Uh, and we, we, we know the nature of people, like how the mainstream yeah. works. And at the end of the day, unfortunately, they are sheeple, right? And mostly because it's no, no fault of them. It's not that like, you know, people are, are dumb. It's that people are stuck in the system and they're living their lives and they're, they're trying to survive and they're focused on their jobs. They're focused on their family yeah. and they don't really have time to go fight a revolution, right? Or to think about these things in these ways, they, they trust their, their government. Um, and you can't blame them for doing that because they, they should be a, you know they, they ideally we should live in a world where there could be some some trust in it but we know fundamentally it's a broken system and it doesn't work that way and we know from what we've just recently seen with covid that if the government wants to mandate that people do something they they'll they'll do it and they'll succeed and the way they, unfortunately, the way they really succeed is getting a large swath of the population to just go along with it. And once that swath is large enough, everybody else has to follow, right? Because you, you can't you can't beat the the crowd. And so the government was able to, you know, the, the on, a, on a grand scale, they were able to close down all the world's economies, have everybody stay at home. Uh, you know, they're able to mandate vaccines. 
they did extraordinary things in a very short amount of time. So to think that they won't be able to get people to use CBDCs, even though there's already kind of this undercurrent. Oh. Is that mine? It must be you, not me. Huh. I don't know what that's. Sorry about that. No worries. Um, yeah, to think that, you know, it's. <laughs> Sorry, we got we got Dan calling us. Um, sorry <laughs> about that. Actually, we're going to a libertarian conference in Jersey this weekend. So oh, awesome! About that, yeah, we're going to go present there. But yeah, to think that because there's this undercurrent of opposition among the liberty-loving folks that it's not going to be jammed down our throats and that the masses won't accept it, I think is naive. Um, yeah. They're going to they're going to do things, right? They're going to. You know, maybe when you go uh, file your taxes, when you want to get the, the tax return money, it's going to come back in the form of CBDC, right? Or you, you whatever. Maybe you get 10% more that way. Or the, or whenever there's the next government handout, right? The next stimulus check will be in the form of a CBDC. Even during COVID, there was hints that they might try to start, try to do it then through uh, some kind of digital uh, currency. But obviously, the tech wasn't there yet. So... Um, it's it, that's the way it's going to happen. It's going to be slowly, they're going to turn the screws and they're going to, uh, corral people into it. And most people are just going to go along with it because it's going to probably yield convenience in their life. It's going to yield, a, seem like it's going to yield more money in their life. And so why wouldn't they do that without realizing what they're s sacrificing at the end of the day, which is their liberty, right? So, yeah. uh, if we if we give governments this ability to s perfectly track and trace all our transactions, what is that going to lead to? Is that a problem? And uh, in my opinion, it is. I think most people in in like the liberty movement that stop and think about it would agree that we need some kind of cash like way for people to transact without the government being able to spy on all transactions. But that's kind of the, the holy grail for, for government. So I do think I do think it's inevitable. I do think there'll be pushback. And ultimately, there's there's going to be this competition, right? We're seeing it take place right now. There's a competition among money, which is great, right? We're living through amazing times in, in that respect, where we're seeing all these historical money. times. Yeah, money's yeah. compete, right? We're, we were seeing the dollar compete against, you know, Bitcoin and Bitcoin competing against Monero. And now, you know, whatever the different CBDC versions are, right? The US will have one. Uh, the Russians will have one and they'll, you know, they'll team up and partners with others to try to make theirs the new R world reserve versus the U.S.'s. And there'll be different features, perhaps, that may make one more uh, desirable than the others. You know, there's talks of Russia trying to create one that's backed by gold. Right. That 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 sounds pretty yeah. enticing. Right. Like that's if, if Bitcoin didn't exist, if crypto didn't exist, then tomorrow, uh, you know, the. The government, some government came up with a back, a gold back CBDC it would probably do pretty well, right? Uh, people would be interested in that concept. So, um, all these things are going to compete. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be a winner take all. I think we're going to eventually reach some equilibrium where the state is still going to exist for quite some time. Uh, and they're going to be using their CBDC and a lar large swath of society will be using it. But then we'll also have some pretty strong uh, competitors that have that, that would survive and kind of live off on their on their own. And I think Bitcoin will certainly be one of those. 
and I think Monero ultimately will will be one of those. And I think Monero will kind of be the you know the true quote unquote Swiss bank of of crypto, right? It's I mean the Swiss banks don't don't exist anymore, really. Yeah. Uh, but the idea of what one was meant to be, uh, I do think that's what Monero will really be. It's this place where you'll be able to move your value into uh, where it will be secure uh, and where it won't be visible by anyone and it won't be visible when you when you want to use it um, and I think there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of value there and so Monero I think will take that niche and the Bitcoin you know I, I started off as a BTC maxi and I, I love it for uh, all those you know the the, the primary reason of it being able to topple fiat, right? Um, yeah. I, I do love that. Uh, although I, I think digital, I, I do think digital cash was the invention and the utility. And I think the, the use case of it being a safe haven from fiat is something kind of really it's pivoted into. Uh, because of its traceability, like that became the the meme that Bitcoin really first and foremost is this safe haven from fiat. Um, this, you know, I don't know if you've been watching uh, Balaj, what's his name, Balaj, the guy um, who just predicted that Bitcoin will hit a million dollars within the next 90 days. Have you, have, did you catch that one? I did not. Okay. Uh, I mean, he's he's big, famous Silicon Valley guy. He's been in the crypto scene for quite some time, and he's he's well respected outside of crypto. You know, he's one of these billionaire Silicon Valley dudes who, like, when he says something, people listen. Yeah, he he has been predicting over the last uh, week that Bitcoin is going to hit a million dollars within the next ninety days, right? Hmm. And so, what what what's his reasoning? His reasoning is that you know we're going to enter uh, Bitcoin. Uh, you know, we're going to go into um, hyperinflation with the U.S. dollar. The entire, you know, the banking system is going to essentially completely collapse. And there is no safer asset, essentially, than Bitcoin, like in his mind. Although he's 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 like pumped scam coins in the past. And it, it's it's interesting. He's now yeah. he's come around. He's been like, oh, but Bitcoin and not only do I like it's actually it's. It's it's going to be what saves us. It's the ark, you know the you know, the flood. The flood is coming, <laughs> and there's a limited amount of space on the ark, and everybody's going to try to pile into it. And you know, I think that's what the pivot's been for for Bitcoin. That's become what it's being sold as. Not so much a digital cash thing, but it's this extreme store of value. Um, uh, you know, bet against fiat. That you know where you could where you could where you could where you could move your money with digital gold. Yeah, with digital gold, right to the to the extreme. But you know, I mean, we could get into why that that has issues, right? Because it's not funded. But I guess the the point I want to make is right. So we have all these. We're gonna have all these things competing, right? We have CBDCs. I, I'm just concerned that the the way the dystopia comes about ultimately isn't by being forced into it from the government. But by everybody opting into it, thinking it is the solution, right? Yeah. Like if you had to sit back in 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 your chair and evilly think about, you know, how could you possibly <laughs> capture all of humanity and and onboard them onto your quote unquote CBDC that you control, 
you'd want to do basically the only way you'd be able to achieve it is if people were fooled into into moving into it thinking it was something else perhaps the exact yeah. opposite and so that's why you know bitcoin like that whole meme of bitcoin being digital gold and 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 you know you these these really smart uh investor types telling everybody to to move over there and sell all your 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 fiat and trade it and get rid of your gold and move into this like when i hear those things it it concerns me as like is are we going down yeah. this path where we're going to fool all of humanity into moving into this perfectly traceable currency that may appear to not be controlled but because of its tech essentially can be co-opted and controlled by the state that's 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 my concern with bitcoin um and then why i always then you know push monero yeah. um, but i i think that's something that you know we should we should be talking more about like people in the in the liberty movement should be talking about and i think they are i think people are becoming more cognizant of that because the cbdc thing everybody clearly is concerned about that right yeah. Just, do you, do you kind of want to break down what a CBDC is? Yeah, so central bank digital currency, right? So it's it's a it's as basically a state controlled crypto uh, that's going to be tether. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be issued by the central bank. Um, and so it's it's the wet dream for for central bankers. <laughs> uh, it's creating a ledger that they control that everybody then uses and they can they can view it and and control it um and that that's a cbdc and so like there's it's a no-brainer that, they're, that they they want to create that and crypto is kind of the path forward for them because it kind of uh paved the way in getting people used to these concepts um and they're like well if you're used to them we have something even better because it's just like those things, except there's really no risk involved because it's backed by by the central banks. And so we're not going anywhere. You don't have to worry about, you know, getting rug pulled or whatever or some some error in the code. It's going to be backed by by the full faith and credit of, of the US government or whatever government's behind it. And so or fear. CBDC, yeah. So <laughs> fear CBDC, of. Yeah, so CBDC is is a government backed crypto, and which is interesting because you don't really need even really need crypto like true decentralized crypto tech to do what they want to do because at the end of the day it's kind of just function like a centralized database. Yeah, um, and so there's all these different talks about what you know what their architecture is going to be, what their tech is going to be like. There's different experiments. Um, so we don't know what the what form it's actually gonna come in. I don't know if you saw Fed Now was announced like last week. It was like this is something that wasn't yeah. discussed at all. Like I don't know. Did you hear about it before last week? I no. I, I just and there that it was, the first we hear about is that they're launching it. It wasn't like yeah. oh, we're working on this thing. We're like we're ready to launch Fed Now, and so Fed Now is controlled by the central banks, and it's going to be this system that they can use to basically a ledger system for tracking money that that they're using to send to uh, essentially the re re retail banks, right? So they can yeah. keep better track of all that. Uh, but I don't see why that couldn't then just like, oh, now we're going to add a, a, a personal wallet feature. So 
individuals can interact with FedNow. And boom, overnight, you have your CB, your quote-unquote CBDC, right? Yeah. It's, it was not in the form of a cryptocurrency. It's not using blockchain, but it's a, it could turn into a, a, a centrally controlled uh you know, system that's allowing uh, them to 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 issue money, right, to to people yeah. directly. <clears throat> um, but, which I I kind of want to just cut in there real quick, which sure. is concerning. Uh, just in case nobody paid attention to the uh, uh, COVID protests up in Canada, the the trucker protest, they were able to prevent them from getting their money, they're getting their Bitcoin. Uh, they blacklisted their address. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't spend it. They couldn't move it. They couldn't do anything with it. So what good is it? Yeah, exactly. That's that's the real fear, right? Which if you tell it to people like most like most Joe Schmoes will roll their eyes, right? Like you and I get it. Yeah. Um a lot of people that that follow that are in that are in crypto that saw what happened in Canada got it. But unfortunately the average Joe would be like, well, I'm not really looking to do anything quote unquote illegal with my money anyway. So why would I care if the government has complete control over it? Actually, it sounds great. It's going to prevent yeah. terrorism. It's going to prevent uh, money laundering. Um, yeah, it's go, it's go, it, it will prevent all those things, but it's also just going to prevent the free flow of commerce and allowing people to use their money as they wish without getting permission from the government. Yeah. Um, and that really becomes a problem, like you said, in these examples of where essentially it prevents people from uh, acting out their political will through with the, with their money, right? And that's a and that's an important like release valve in a free and open society. We need people to be able to spend their money as they wish and put it put their value where they want for purpose of supporting the political causes that they believe in otherwise you'll have this centralized system that will be able to control essentially the politics and and control people to the point where you'll where you could effectively have a totalitarian government with no way to topple it right um money you, you know using mo money is, is the equivalent to speech i think right um so we we very clearly support free speech right most most people in the u.s if you ask the average person if they're you know uh for for first free speech to be like yes of course you know that's what makes america great right you can go out and say whatever you want you, you can disagree with whoever you want and the reason why that's vitally important is for purposes of protecting political speech so that we, yes so that we can pr protect minority opinions for that that small group of people that disagree with the masses at that moment in time that have some different way of looking at it. And they're saying their liberties are being trampled on if we go in this direction. So listen up, everybody. This is why we need to do this. And we protect that minority and all minorities that ever have something to say because we want to make sure that they have the ability and the voice to say it so they can't be shut down by a totalitarian state that only has their interests uh um so that speech money is is speech as well just in a different form in some ways more important than 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 the spoken word itself allowing people to allocate resources towards their political will and so that's why that's why it's vitally important at the end of the day that we don't create a system 
where government has complete control of how people can use their money. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, I, I agree that we should be able to, we ought to be able to live in this world where we can trust this system of authority, but they have proven themselves over and over and over and over again, why we cannot. So it's, to me, to me, it just seems kind of like a no brainer that, you know, to keep doing the same thing over and over is fairly insane. Uh, while, while expecting different results, um, you know, it's like, oh, the CIA, uh, you know, had Project Mockingbird that was active through the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, 80s, 90s. It changed to something else. And now all of a sudden they're just not doing it. <laughs> no, that's that's illogical thinking, in my opinion. Yeah, the, we, we know that the, the system as is just it's fundamentally broken, right? The, yeah. the, the, the state is just, it's just a mob, right? It's run by a mob. Whoever, whoever has control of it has just all wicked people has all, has all the power, right? Whoever, who's ever behind the scenes running and has all, and they just have, they just have all the incentive to, to continue to hold on to that power and try to try to gain more of it. And the, uh, it gives them a, a tremendous advantage against, the the populace that they control and so a cbdc would just be another tool that they would have that would give them an advantage over the population um you know other other ways of of controlling people digitally is also you know giving them an advantage right so like social media and you know all, all this stuff we do everything online now everything is online uh, we we used to meet, you know, assemble in person, and you know there there was more liberty and freedom there. Now all, all those meetings and everything in every way, every which way, and people coordinate. It's it's all on the internet. It's all online, and it's through these private corporations that, at the end of the day, you know, end up being controlled by the state once they get large enough, and they they have to broker a deal with this with this mafia, right? Because they've gotten big now. So the mafia comes knocking on their door and saying, all right, you can you can continue <laughs> running that that corporation that's made you a billionaire. But, you know, you're going to have to play by our rules. We, we want our cut. Right. And what our cut is, is what, you know, giving us the data we want, you know, uh, you know, being a being a, a patriot. Right. When we call upon you and we, we need you to do these things, you're going to have to do them. And nine out of or ninety nine out of a hundred of these these companies obviously just go along with it because they're they're people and right they they want to they they want to live their lives they they want to they want to make money and why, why aren't they going to you know they just see it as the cost of doing business and so it just perpetuates this system where the this mafia essentially has control and so what where where crypto comes is comes in is when built the right way it's basically resistant to this mafia co-opting it because there's really there's no door to knock on. There's nobody to ask to say, "Hey, we 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 want, you know, we 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 want to have a back door into this thing." Well, there's no sorry guys, it's open source project. Uh, you know, this like you can't do that unless you could go figure it out on your own. And so that's why crypto is so uh, so disruptive because it truly disrupts the state's current business model 
of being able to control all the corporations that create this tech. It's this new form of tech that can't be co-opted, which once again, that's what takes me to Monero because more, even more so than its privacy features, right? I think that obviously I'm very passionate about those for all those reasons we're talking about. You know, I think privacy is a fundamental human right. This also ties into, um, you know, protecting minority speech and all like all this all these ideas are tied into this right it's allowing people to uh act in ways where they're they're not controlled by the government privacy is a feature that 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 helps people do that um but the other aspect is too it's just monero's unstoppable nature so it's built in a way where it's resistant to being co-opted and so i think monero does that better than any other crypto and that's something even like Bitcoin, uh, as as big and large and successful as it is, given its transparent ledger, it basically creates an attack surface for governments to influence in other ways. Um, and then, you know, there's other things too, right? It's not just the transparent nature of the blockchain, right, that allows them to track and trace all transactions, uh, but it's also the way Bitcoin is mined. It's mined with ASIC miners. Um, the way, you know, that, that tend, tend towards centralization in terms of large corporations doing 98% of all the mining, you know, it was only done by a small handful of corporations that have access to these ASICs that then do all the Bitcoin mining. And once again, you're now you're back at that problem I'm talking about where you have a door to go knock on, right? So now the, the, the mafia government can show up at the doors of these large corporate mega Bitcoin mining corporations and say, oh, this is great business you have. We're going to need you to do this X, Y, and Z, right? We're going to need you to uh, censor these transactions that aren't compliant. We're need or that you know blacklist these transactions that are on this list, or we're gonna need you whatever it is, right? And the way it works is like we said, just the business model of of this of the state, it it's gonna play out the way it always plays out, and so they're gonna bend their knee because at the end of the day they're gonna benefit from that, right? Because now they'll have regulatory capture, like sure, like you know they're not they're not these large corporations that are doing mining it's yes they might be if they may have started by liberty loving individuals but are are they are they all of this of this type where they're willing to sacrifice their business for for the greater good is or is that what you're going to rely on uh if you are you're you're going to be greatly disappointed because it's just not how not how humans work and so what, what is going to happen is they're going to bend their knee and they're going to do what the government tells them to do because they're going to benefit from it. They'll get regulatory capture and it will make it more difficult for other for competitors to come in and they'll gain influence over Bitcoin in that way. And so that's why, like, I, you know, when I really talk about what I see as the true value prop of crypto, I think it's digital cash. But it's like incorruptible digital cash. It's it's a system that can't be co-opted by the state. So I, I look for cryptos that are most resistant to to state control. So th- this is something I wanted to talk to you about because one one of the latest interviews that I uh, watched was uh, your interview 
uh, well, I guess it was kind of a debate uh, about uh, BSV versus Monero, which okay. I just thought was great, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> Two like polar opposites right there, right? Yeah. Um, one, one question I had was how how do people in your opinion how do people kind of stay away from some of these uh trojan horses i guess what do you mean how do they how do people avoid getting wrapped up Be, in the, like the being world? being yeah being swept up in something that promotes itself maybe as like a privacy coin or uh something that's just misrepresenting itself in its ability to keep you free yeah, I mean, I guess you know, do do your own research, right? And and you and use co use common sense and do your own research. So even at Monerotopia, right? So we'll have we're gonna have a pirate chain table at Monerotopia, right? Nice. We're gonna have a bunch of other privacy coins that will that will be there. Um, and the reason why I want to do that is because people need to arrive at uh, at these things on their own accord, right? You can't jam it down somebody's throat. They need to properly look at the landscape, understand what's going on, do their own research, and then find their way to the right the right option. So, I mean, my advice to people is to really stop, take a, take a step back, think about what the true value prop of crypto is, right? Like digital cash. I think it's very hard for people, I think, to disagree with at least that being one of the value propositions of crypto, like at least... Right, it literally says it in the Satoshi white paper: a peer-to-peer -peer digital cash system. So, so understand that that's what Satoshi was trying to build, and then understand that the only way that that works, if it's an unstoppable system that can't be co-opted by any corporation or any government, and then analyze the cryptos to see which ones are capable or most capable of doing that, and which ones have weaknesses. And which ones are distracting you into thinking there's value there when they're really not doing anything that's going to help to that effect, right? So you may have some new fangled coin that could send transactions faster than Monero, but does that make it more digital cash-like? Does that make, make it more fungible when you send the transaction? Does that make your transaction more resistant to surveillance or censorship? Does that make the system as a whole more resistant to being co-opted? Probably not. Like something like a pirate chain is is a, is a good example, right? So the tech is a little different. Um, and there's, you know, if you look at like just one aspect of, of Monero's tech and compare it to like the best aspect of pirate chain's tech, sure, you could say, well, look, this, this thing in pirate chain does this aspect better than Monero does. So therefore, you know, it's it's better than Monero. It's like, it'd be like if you compared two cars, right? And you said, you know, I don't know, like the, uh, the you know, the, the, the engine in this car has more horsepower than the engine in that car. So the one with the more horsepower is a better car, right? All right, well, how much does the car cost? Well, you know, what kind of wheels are on the car? Can the car go off-roading? Is it just like the type of car that you can only use on, on like one track and it, it, it runs out of gas in 30 seconds, but it could, it could go 600 miles? Like, like that car isn't going to be too great for you driving around like other than in some perfect conditions. My point is like, you know, do your own, understand what the true value prop is and then study cryptos through that lens 
and don't get distracted by these self sales points that really may not be solving the largest problem. And that tends to be the case. So, you know, I don't, I don't like being like coming across as somebody who's, who's like shilling Monero, but like my, my study has led me down this path and I've yet to see something that would turn me from it. And the, the, like the thing that really can't be ignored more than anything else is the network effect. Network yeah. effect is a tremendous element in these technologies. You know, it's like social networks, right? Like you could go create a new Facebook tomorrow that does everything Facebook does, has all the features Facebook does. Even maybe some of the features are even arguably better, but it's going to be worth zero because it doesn't have any users. What gives Facebook value is the fact that billions of people around the world started using it. And so you can't ignore network effects. So something like Monero has arguably network effect for purposes of digital cash. You go on the dark markets, the vendors prefer if you pay in Monero. And people, most people prefer paying in Monero. And they're asking vendors to like accept Monero, right? Because they, they if you're going to go buy something on a dark market, you want to do it in a way that's untraceable. It's, it's basic, right? Like why, why wouldn't you want to do that? So it's yeah. it's winning that network effect. Now you could come out with another crypto that's quote unquote more private, but is are people already accepting it? Is it already known? Like if you come out with you know super private XYZ coin, like all right, that's great. But how many people accept super private XYZ coin? Well, if everybody did, then it would be just sure. If everybody did, but they don't. So like you can't discount first mover advantage and network effect. And so that's how these protocols work. We're not, it's not going to be constantly coming up with newfangled cryptos that are going to replace the old ones. Eventually, yeah. we're going to reach this point where some of them get large enough where they're here to stay. And so I think Monero is achieving that in the digital cash arena. Well, that's well said, honestly. That's... I, I get really frustrated, uh, you know, doing this, talking to people about Liberty, because at this point, it kind of seems like either you get it or you don't, you know, it's, it's like, if, how, how do you explain to somebody the importance of their privacy, that the fact that a free market equals a free people? Yeah, like, where, why, do you even, where do you even begin? Right. It's like, yeah, it, it's almost impossible because like I said, either you get it or you don't. And the, the, the one thing that always, uh, you know, is very hopeful to me is that, you know, it always seems to be that uh, good does triumph. Um, now, exactly how that's going to happen, that's the mystery, right? So things like Monero, e even if like all of this is just a waste of time, it's still important to me to do something about this. It's it's worth it to me to spend the time doing something like this, no matter what. And and this not only affects me, you, the people who know about it, but e even if just the Monero community did s survive and thrive, that benefits everyone. Oh, yeah. Totally, man. That's like I said, that's that's why I work on it, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's the returns are real. Anytime you get a new user, you get one of one new person that's transacting in Monero. 
uh it's that's one that's one new person that's you know going to help all of us preserve our liberty in the digital age and these things really they really really don't work well though until enough people are using them that's why it is important to be out like you know i I blame Bitcoiners because I feel like, you know, there, there is there is that whole maxi thing, right? Which is annoying. Yeah. But at the same time, you do need people to get you. We need to onboard people into these things. And the only way to do that is, is to be out there effectively shilling it. And what is great about the Bitcoin meme is it's very simple for people to understand like, oh, there's only 21 million. So if I get one little piece, it's going to be worth a lot. And so yeah. without having to put much thought in it, uh, it it pulls people into it out of greed, um, but my fear there again, once again, is are we getting people to opt in with greed and excitement into something that may appear to make them wealthy in fiat terms, right? Because the numbers going up in terms of fiat value, but does the state really care? Is but what do, has your liberty gone up, right? At the end of the day. Yeah. Like your your number may have gone up on paper. You may have more value in terms of fiat terms, but did you gain more liberty? And people might be like, oh yeah, of course. More money equals more liberty. Yeah, but not in some world where the government can literally perfectly track and trace how you're using that money. Because yeah. then at the end of the day, it doesn't have value because you can't use it as you wish. And so... That's why I, I think I think it's it's vital for for people to realize that. But Bitcoin does do a great job at pulling people into the ecosystem, and then I think we need to then further talk to people. And be like, all right, well now that you're here, yeah, <laughs> we want you to let you know, like Bitcoin is great, but just so you know, um, X Y like all these things. There's these yeah. issues, and like if you want to protect your your privacy, you might want to do this. And why is privacy important? for all these reasons because it's digital cash. And yeah, like you said, unfortunately, it's not something that you could like in one soundbite get people to understand. When you say, even when you say like, I just assume now because I say it so much, you know, like it's digital cash. Yeah, Most people don't even under like, all right, so it's like, what is, they're not like, they're not listening to all those words. They're not being, realizing like cash as in private, right? Cash, like as they a lot of people, especially you know, younger people, they don't even know much about cash. They kind of take it for granted, right? They're all using Venmo and all these other things, and they 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 see cash as this old stupid technology. It's like, <laughs> why the hell am I gonna have cash in my pocket? Like, yeah. I just have to lose it and get dirty from it and get COVID from it when I hold it. I'd rather use Venmo. It's instant. It's fast. Okay, but do you realize what you're sacrificing with that? No, they don't because they they don't they they haven't even experienced the, the cash world, right? Like a lot yeah. of people haven't even experienced that. So it's like our job to kind of explain that all to them, you know, like how things used to be before the digital world existed and that they were great and that we want to maintain those things in the digital era. And the only way that's going to happen is if we have technologies that are like this. Otherwise, that's gone and it's never coming back. Well, the the, the price to be able to pay to get it back is something I don't think modern most modern men would, you know, be willing to pay. Exactly. Like that's 
That's a, that's a price until, that... until the point where they're really, you know, so far up against the wall, you know, where like, why I, I can't eat, you know, I, I'm i in my house. I can't leave when I want to leave. I can't work the job I want to work. I can't, you know, I can't even go out and buy a piece of steak because, you know, when I go to use my CBDC, it's, it's, it's saying you already met your quota for the month. You know, I can't like, <laughs> like maybe when we get to that point, sure. Then maybe people will be ready to get, go out and fight. But we're we're trying to you know get them to realize before that there's a there's another way to win this, and it's as simple as just using this other technology that's completely permissionless that anybody could opt into, and so that's why I, I do think it's important that we you know continue yeah. to talk about it, especially to people in the liberty movement. That's why I like love coming on your show and like you know you've 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 thank you by the way man you've really been a big help to us in getting us more involved in the libertarian movement like remember when, that's how the conversation yeah. started oh, yeah. right? we said hey how do we how do we get more involved man you invited us out to out to the convention yep right and we, we met so many people through that and I, I, our discussions the whole time were like i was like why aren't more people into monero you're like i don't <laughs> know they should be and so thank you man because you're yeah. you're a, a real connector in, in that means and i think it's i think we need to keep pushing down this road i think we're starting to see traction there like i said we got invited to this thing in jersey i, I nice. really I, it, it's a no-brainer people that are in the libertarian movement that i mean these are the people that get these concepts that having to be explained it being yeah. explained and so then the only next step is for them to stop and at their own accord Look at the tech and realize which thing is going to offer a cash-like experience. Yeah, yeah, they know, why, they know why it's important. They know why cash is important. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, at this point, people should, uh, you know, kind of listen to the conspiracy theorists or people who are saying things that might, on the surface, seem a little crazy. Those might be the people you want to pay attention to. So it just considering all everything that we've been through for the past few years um everything that's coming out now it kind of seems like uh th those might be the people you should listen to and i kind of don't want to group everybody into that because there's some people really far down some rabbit holes that you know are just something else but i would much rather listen to some of these people than people that are promising me the world and who have the ability to take all of it away Exactly. So, well, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you do got a show coming up yes. over on your channel over at Monero Talk. Um, you can find that in the episode description, uh, a link to your YouTube channel. So everyone watching, go hop over there. Uh, if awesome. you're not watching this live, uh, go subscribe, go watch the uh, the interviews. I mean, you talk to everybody. Uh, yeah, we've got some good talks, man. Yeah, it's it's... It's absolutely incredible. My favorite channel for uh, you, you and uh, Seth for privacy. My yeah, two exactly. like go-tos. Seth, Seth will be at Monerotopia as well. Um, yeah, we have an amazing, amazing lineup. Just check out the, anybody like, check out Monerotopia.com. Just so you can see the lineup, um, see who we have talking down there. And like I said, if you can't make it, we're going to have a virtual, we're going to sell a virtual conference ticket so people can participate live. And then eventually we'll we'll release all the footage for free on the YouTube channel, so you could catch all the talks there if you don't want to pay for the virtual ticket. But the virtual ticket will be cool because you could you could also then interact. We'll have Q and A, so you could from you know as you're awesome. watching ask questions and stuff to the speakers. 
That's right. that's so killer. Well, uh, make sure uh, Monerotopia.com is in the episode description along with the YouTube channel. Don't forget uh, to use promo code Rise to Liberty for twenty percent off your ticket. I believe VIP is sold out. Correct? VIP is sold out. Yep. And general uh, admission. We we were reluctant to add the virtual conference ticket because I really want people to like. We're, and we're yeah. charging the same price for it, mostly because I want to push people towards coming down in person. Yeah. Uh, if you if you could if you can make it happen, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun time uh, among truly liberty loving cypherpunks. That's great, changing the world. Yeah. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Doug, for coming on. This was great. We'll have to do it again, and uh, hopefully, we save the world. Thank you, Jacob. Appreciate it. Yep. Anytime. Cheers. And uh, for everyone watching, thank you so much for tuning in to RiseToLiberty.com or Rise to Liberty. Make sure to go to RiseToLiberty.com slash links uh, where you can find everywhere that we are on the internet. Uh, help us fight the uh, soft censorship of our big tech overlords by their shadow banning and everything else and share these interviews and get them out there to people who will find them valuable or even people who might hate them because uh, we love the haters too. So. Until next time, stay free, my friend.